I'm in the book of Luke, same place we were last week for Resurrection Sunday, Luke chapter 24, begin with verse 13. I want to go over this story one more time because the Lord has given me a few more insights that uh, he wants me to share with you. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Remember, Luke wrote two books in the New Testament. He wrote the book of Luke. Yes, awesome. And he wrote the book of Acts. So he would be the most prolific writer in the, uh, in the New Testament. And Luke was uh, a doctor. He was, not a, he was a Gentile. He wasn't a Jew. He was a doctor that followed Jesus around. And you know my story about that, right? Why the doctor was following Jesus around? It's because Jesus put him out of business. <laughs> right? Jesus is always healing everybody. There's no work for the doctor to do. So the doctor went around and, and reported it. So the doctor was a very educated man. Okay? He could write. And uh, so he was probably the smartest uh, guy on the team with the disciples and the people that travel with him. And he wrote all this down for us. Isn't that great? And he wrote it for somebody named Theophilus. We don't know who that was, but he was writing it to say, look, I'm writing this story of Jesus. He made such an impact in my life, and I want to share this with you. So he has this record for us, Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Now that same day, that is Resurrection Sunday, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. And that's the point I want to get to today is how do we recognize Jesus? Because sometimes he just walks right up and he's in our midst. I mentioned this last Sunday, but <clears throat> two weeks ago in our youth group, I walked in and immediately when I went through that door and stood inside this room, uh, Lisa was standing there and I said, I can hear Jesus talking already. And, and it was just teenagers talking. They were having a good time as teenagers should. And they looked at me and I said, I hear Jesus talking. And so they had a foot washing service that night. And then they wrote some things down what God was speaking to their heart. You may have seen them posted. Amazing what God was telling our teenagers. And they were listening. It was absolutely phenomenal. But if you pay attention and you recognize Jesus, you can hear him talking. You can hear what he's saying to you. These guys on the road to Emmaus, they were overcome with grief. This man, Jesus, who they'd followed maybe a year, two years, maybe three years. We don't really know. Had been crucified. Horrible death. Horrible death. Just for doing good. And so these guys were overcome with grief, and they didn't recognize Jesus in the midst of their grief. They were overcome with confusion. Where, where was this body? We don't know where it is. They were overcome with confusion. And sometimes we can be overcome with grief and confusion and other things in our life and just miss Jesus. I want to talk about that, how, how, we, can, how we can hone our senses to hear Jesus. Let's read the rest of the story. He asked him, what are you discussing together as you walk? And they stood still, their faces downcast. They were grieving. One of them named Cleophas asked, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened here in these last days? What things? About Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be crucified, sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, 
but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he is alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer those things and then enter his glory? In other words, you had not been studying the Old Testament very well. If you'd been studying the Old Testament prophets well, you would have discovered that Jesus would have to suffer and die and come back to life again, particularly Isaiah 53. Now, you know that in Jewish walk, Jewish life, uh, the younger people are not allowed to read Isaiah 53. They just dismiss it and say it's not supposed to be in there, and they're not allowed to read Isaiah 53. It talks about the suffering servant there. And that's why a lot of Jewish people are still confused about who Jesus is. It's because they were never allowed to study or read Isaiah 53. And so perhaps these guys have not been allowed to read it as well. And begin with Moses. And Let me just back up on that too. You know, we're raised to think that God is Santa Claus. That whatever we put on our wish list, he's going to give us. I want to feel better today. I want to look better today. I want to go do this today. I want a new car. I want a new house. We... We think God's a vending machine. If we just put enough prayers into, out pops what we want, right? Or if we go to church enough, out pops what we want. The Jewish people were no different right here. They were expecting Messiah just to pop out a redeemed Israel that would, you know, own all the land and nobody would bother them ever again. That they were looking for a Santa Claus God. And sometimes we go through life thinking that life is going to be easy and fun because we're Christians and it's going to be wonderful and prosperity gospel just name it claim it you know if you believe it you will receive it and we we get caught up in all these half truths lies some of them but there are times in our lives when we are called to suffer for the sake of christ (coughs) there was a jewish rabbi who just a couple of days ago was in his synagogue having church right and a shooter came in and started shooting the place up he lost two of his fingers right He's not a Christian. He's a Jew, but he's serving Jehovah God. And he's suffering now. You know, some people lost their lives in that. We know what happened a week ago. Christians were martyred uh, for their faith. They're suffering in this life. And let's don't discount the fact that when we go through suffering, we come to understand Jesus more than sometimes we do in the blessings. Because right? he suffered. Right? Now, the Bible says, as he was in the world, so are we. And so there's going to be times of suffering. Don't dismiss that. Don't get mad at God. Don't pout. Don't get bitter. Just say, I'm going through a season of suffering. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the older you get, the more you're going to understand suffering in your life. Some of you are not old enough yet to understand that, but you will. Just simply say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Don't try to understand it don't try to put a name to it don't try to figure it out blessed be the name of the lord and stand in that i have a you know i have churches all over smyrna right i've got the Publix church i've got the home depot church i've got the lowe's church and i've got the jewelry store church and i've got these places so this week i was at the Publix church and i go in and i minister to people and they minister to me and so this one lady she's she's a prophet her name is shirley and in her church, she's becoming a pastor under her pastor. And so I walked up to her this week, and I just looked at her. She was 
you know, they had the, the four checkouts there where you can, you know, self-check out. And she was at the thing. And I walked to her and said, what's the word? I love doing that to her. I said, what's the word? She said, she backed up and looked at me. She said, the word is trust. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. See, that's all I got. That's all I got. You know, it's amazing how God will work in our life. We will see him in the midst of suffering. We will see him in the midst of celebration. We will see him all those things if we just look. And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked with us on the road? And when he opened the scripture to us, let me tell you something, when Jesus opens the Bible to you, watch out. When Jesus opens the scripture to you, you know the scripture's been opened to you. You've been in the word, but then the word gets into you when Jesus opens a word for you. And if you're reading the Bible and you get to a scripture, a verse, and you don't understand it, say, Jesus, open this word to me. Open this word to me. Just keep asking him, Jesus, I want you to open this word. Ask him for a week or a month if you have to. Open this word for me. He eventually will. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and, and saying, it is true. And the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened to them on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So I want to give you four things to help you hone your ability to recognize Jesus when he comes up and walks with you on the way. Daniel, when you go to work at that really cool place you're working now, where they've got all those great cars, that's amazing. When you're on your way to that desk, sitting right beside the big door that walks out to all those cars, you can know that sometimes Jesus is going to show up there. And I want you to hone your skills, right? Scott, when you're at work and you're in the CNC and working the lathe and doing the amazing things you do with your hands, I want you to know that sometimes Jesus can show up in that place too. Wherever we find ourselves, Jesus can show up. Caleb, when you go to school this week, I know it's the end of school. You don't even want to be there. Nobody wants to be there. The teachers don't want to be there. The kids don't want to be there. Nobody, the ants don't even want to be there, right? But I want you to know that Jesus can show up in that place too. And so four ways to hone our skills. And it, you know how I like to do H-O-N-E, hone, right? So four things, four letters, four things. First is the word host. Host his presence. The way we hone our ability to recognize Jesus is to host his presence. Now let me explain what that means in simple terms. I've got four grandkids, as you know. I talk about them all the time. When I go to their house, there's one of them. They can hear me drive up the driveway in the gravel. They can recognize the cars and who it is. And I say, Papa, right? They race to the door, the back door, 
to see who's going to open it first or run out, see who's going to jump in the car first. That's, their, that's the game. All four of them now get in on it, right? Whoever's there, they just dive in on it, right? And then they say, come in, Papa, come in. They open the door for me and invite me in. Revelation 3.20 says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone will open the door, I will come in and have fellowship, have a meal. That's what that word fellowship means. I'll, I'll have a meal with you. So here's my grandchildren. They open the door, and the oldest one will say, Papa, come here. I've made something with Legos. I want to show you how it works. And he's made some amazing creation, just out of his own mind. It's got wheels and pulleys and a battery and lights. And I'm just like, how did you think this up? And it's amazing. And then the second one, Ellie Grace, <clears throat> she'll say, Papa, come to my room. I want to, I want to play a song that I've learned. And so she's learned Jesus Loves Me. So she can play Jesus Loves Me on the keyboard and sing it for me. And I'll say, sing it again. And then when she finds it, sing one more time. And so she, I said, now you practice that 20 times. And, and when you get it down 20 times, you come sing it in church. Papa, can I sing it in church? She's all excited, right? But she's showing me. She's inviting me into her room. Ezra, the next one, uh, he'll say, Papa, I want to go outside. Come outside. I want to show you how fast I can run. And so we go outside, and I chase him. Of course, he beats me every time, right? Running around the yard, running around the yard. And then the little one, who's not even two yet, he sticks his little hand out, and he goes, he can't talk, but he'll tell us, does his hand like this. And when I start walking to him, he'll walk over to what he wants to show me. And he'll take that little finger and point to a little bug on the ground because he wants me to see that little bug with his little hand like that. You see, they are all hosting their papa. They're all hosting their papa. They are a host. You know, a hostess, we think about a hostess. You walk into a restaurant, this the man or the woman, the woman's standing there right, and she says, how many are in your party? Two. Uh, follow me, and they takes the thing, and she sits you down, right? She's a hostess. Well, we are the host to the living God. You're host to the Father, Son, and the Spirit. So you have permission. Now catch this now. This is it's deep, but it's so shallow. It's deep, but it's so simple, right? You have permission to host, to be the hostess and say, Father, I want to show you something. Father, will you come eat with me? Father, let me show you what I made, right? You have the right to say, Jesus, I want to show you Ezekiel, right? I want to show you Enzo, right? Let me show you this smile. Father, come look at this smile on this precious child. Come look at the feet on this child, right? How big is he going to be, right? You got some feet rocking back there, right? Isn't that right? That's right. Yeah, preacher's talking about you. Uh-huh. Precious. He's going to talk back to me, too. That's what it means to host. You, so you sit down for a meal, right? And, and we typically, we just go through the motions of it. We go out to eat, we bow our heads, we say a blessing over the meal, right? And, and praise God we're doing that. But be a little more intentional next time and say, Father, would you like to join us? At your table, at your house, set up an extra chair and say, Jesus, you're welcome to join us here. This is your chair. We got it just for you. Right? Don't miss the opportunity to host the very presence of God Almighty himself. Emmanuel, we sang, which means God with us. Debbie and I had the word Emmanuel inscribed inside our wedding bands. It's one of our favorite words because we want God to be with us in our marriage. With us personally, yes, but in our marriage. 
Emmanuel. God with us. He's with us. We can host him. Now, God's always with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. What I'm saying is go to the next level. Go to the deeper level and actually invite him into what you are doing. Mary, if you're making me a peach cobbler. <laughs> Mary, if you're making me a peach cobbler, right? And you're thinking, I'm making Jim a peach cobbler, right? Invite him into that process. Father, I'm going to make Jim a peach cobbler. I've said that four times, so it's going to be in your memory from now on. I like banana pudding too. I, I'm not partial. I like, all the, I like all the fruit groups, right? The blueberry pie, you know, apple cobbler. They're all good. You, you have to have your fruit. Invite him into that process. Father, I, would you like to help me make this peach cobbler? Brenda, if you're going to write a note to somebody in this church and encourage them. Father, I, I'm going to write a note to... Christine back here. I haven't seen her in a couple of weeks. I want to write her a note. Tell her we missed her. I want to invite you in to helping me write this note. What do we want to say to Christine? You see how easy that is? How simple that is? And we miss it sometimes. We miss the opportunity to host his presence in everything that we do. So, the first thing in honing our ability to recognize Jesus is just to recognize that he's there. Secondly, is to obey, H-O-N-E-O, is to obey his commands. Obey his commands. Don't expect anything more from God than what he's already given you to the point that you've obeyed what he's already told you to do. Right? If he's told you to learn how to ride a tricycle and you've chosen not to learn how to ride a tricycle, don't ask him to be an astronaut. He's not going to give you that upgrade. Because of that, learning how to ride a trike and how to learn how to ride a bike and how to learn how to ride a car and how to learn how to drive a semi, he's not going to give you the opportunity to learn how to fly a rocket into space. If you're still stuck on the tricycle, he's fine with that. He's not mad. He's not upset. He's not pouting. He's not pitching a fit. He's not, he's not withdrawing his love or anything like that. He says, if you want to ride a trike, ride a trike. That's great. I've got a bike for you. If you want to go to the next level, I've got that for you. So obey what he's telling us. Obey what he's teaching us. Obey his commands. Obey what he's encouraging us to do. If you want to hone your ability to recognize Jesus, obey what you know. Hey, and listen to this. When you don't know the next thing he wants you to do, obey the last thing he told you to do. And eventually you'll understand the next thing he wants you to do. A lot of times we go backwards, we, we regress. And so... Okay, I'm, if he's not going to give me the semi, I'm just going to quit driving the car. I'm just going to go back to the bike then. Well, I'm going to go back to the tricycle then. And God's like, that's fine. If you want to do that, I'm not mad. I'm not going to throw any lightning bolts your way. I'm not sending you cancer because of that, right? God didn't, God didn't treat us that way. He said, if that's where you want to be, fine. But you've got to practice the car. You've got to practice the semi before I'm giving you the rocket. Don't regress. <laughs> Stick with what you know. Stick with what he's told you. Obey what he says. The third thing is, is to nourish the spirit man within you. Nourish the new man that lives inside of you. H-O-N-E-N. Nourish the new man. What in the world does that mean? Nourish the new man. These two men who were walking on the road were nourished 
when the scriptures were opened to them, when they read the scripture. The way we nourish our spirit man is by reading God's word. Um, the way I nourish my body is by feeding it right. I don't eat a lot of peach cobblers. Okay? Although I like them very much, I don't eat a lot of peach cobblers. I don't eat a lot of donuts, although I talk about it a lot. I don't, okay? I eat a lot of vegetables, a lot of vegetables. That's why I look so good, right? That's why I look, that's why I'm 99 and I look like I'm 29, right? Preach it. Come on, preach it, right? But I nourish my body by feeding it right. I don't, I don't drink sodas of any kind, right? Certainly won't drink a diet soda because it's got 17 chemicals in there that we don't know what they are, right? They will poison your body. But I nourish my body. If I want to nourish my mind, I read good quality books. I don't watch some of the stuff on TV, right, that will mess up your mind. Some really raunchy stuff on TV right now, on the Internet, et cetera, et cetera. But, but I nourish it with a good book. I might read a book on quantum mechanics, right, which is a field I love reading about. Right, right now, I'm reading a book on supply chain management. Now, that is so random, isn't it? Anybody know what that is? <laughs> I heard the snore. <laughs> supply, it's supply chain management for dummies is the book, but it's like I'm fascinated about it right now. I want to I learn about that. So I'm learning. I don't run a manufacturing company. I don't own a business. I'm just reading it. So read good quality material. Think about this. Think about a snowman for just a minute. You know, you got three circles, right? Small circle, medium circle, large circle. We sometimes focus so much and if each one of those represents body, soul, and spirit, sometimes we focus so little on the spirit that the spirit's the top of the snowman, right? And it's the tiniest part that we focus on. You know, the middle might be the soul that we focus on, and the bottom might be the, the body that we focus on. We spend all of our time, right? In reality, our snowman, the spirit should be the biggest sphere of our life. It should be the base of our personhood. It should be the biggest thing on the bottom of the snowman, right? And then, and then we, the body and then maybe the soul, you know, we, we, we need to approach it differently and invest more time in developing our spirit man, that new man that God gives us. He says, I'll put a, and now in Ezekiel he says, I'll put a new spirit within you. I'll give you a new heart and take out that heart of flesh, that heart of stone that's, that's not useful. So think about this. He puts a brand new spirit within us. That's salvation. He takes the old spirit out, does something with it. He doesn't remodel it, doesn't remake it. He, he takes it out, and it's done. Right? It, it's dead. It's, we're, it's dead to sin. It's gone. He puts a brand new spirit within us, brand new human spirit within us. That's salvation. That brand new human spirit, it's a baby. Spirit, if you will. It needs to grow, right? Does that make sense? Right? He doesn't put an adult human spirit in. He puts, us a, he puts a baby human spirit in. He says, now you need to grow it. And if you're watching garbage on TV, you're not growing your human spirit. You're destroying your soul. Right? And so it's the word of God that grows and nurtures that human spirit within us. So the more the word you read, the stronger the new man becomes. Right? That makes sense? It's, it's reading this word. And it's listening to the word, that's, that cell phone word that speaks to us, right? It's reading the word of God, but it's also listening to the word he speaks to us. So if we're going to hone our ability to recognize Christ when he's present in our life, 
We need to host his presence. We need to obey his voice, what he's telling us. And we need to nourish the spirit man within us. And the last thing is, we need to expect to see him. We need to expect to recognize him. When you walk into this building next Sunday, you need to come with an expectation that you're going to encounter the living Christ in a person or something that's said or a song or partaking the Lord's Supper. You need to expect you're going to recognize him. Tomorrow when you go to work, go back to school, expect to find Jesus somewhere. When I go to the various congregations around Smyrna that I go to, I expect to find Jesus showing up in the midst there. And he did, like I told you, with Shirley. You know, I met her, and she just had a, a word for me. Jesus showed up and had a word for me that I needed to hear in that particular moment. Right? Expect, wherever you go, expect Jesus to show up. You know, I expect him to show up when I sit down to a meal. I expect him to show up when I come in here, and everything in between. You see, we should expect to find him uh, in his father's house. We should expect to find him in his father's house. And this morning, that's what this building is. It's his father's house. And Jesus shows up in his father's house. He had, the Bible says he had zeal for his father's house. We should expect to see him on the way like these disciples did. As you go on the way. We should expect to see him on the cross. One of the thieves on the cross saw Jesus for who he was on the cross and said, Remember me when you come into your paradise. And Jesus said, today you shall be with me in paradise. Even on a cross, we can recognize Jesus around us. The thief on the cross did. We should be able to recognize him when he's with sinners because he likes hanging out with sinners. We should be able to recognize him when he hangs out with prostitutes. And there are many forms of prostitution today. But Jesus hangs out with prostitutes. We should be able to recognize him and find him when he's with the lost, when we're out and about around lost people. We can recognize Jesus when we're with hurting people because Jesus likes hanging out with hurting people, right? The woman who had called in adultery was hurting. The woman at the well was hurting. We find people who are hurting. We should also be able to find Jesus and recognize Jesus with people who are questioning their salvation, questioning God, questioning their faith. People go through times of questioning. Listen, if you can't question your faith, it's not very much of a faith. Right? If you can't question some of the things that you've believed all your life about it, it's not a very strong faith you have. Sit before God and say, God, I don't understand this. I'm questioning, why is this? What does this mean? I don't understand. <clears throat> Sit before him and ask him those questions. He's not offended. He's not going to hit you with a lightning bolt. He's not going to send you cancer because you think those thoughts. He's going to say, well, let's talk about it. Let me open the scriptures to you and let's talk about it. I'll try to explain it to you. And with me, he says, Jim, I'll use small words, right? Amen. We should be able to find him when we're at a party and everybody is slobber knocker drunk. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Right? The wedding at Cana. The wedding at Cana. <coughs> now, I don't know anything about wine. But what I do know is there's good wine and bad wine, right? Right? And what I do know about the story in Cana is, is that Jesus saved the best wine for the last. He turned all this water into wine. Do you think those people didn't drink that wine? Do you think they drank the wine? Do you think they got buzzed afterwards? Right? Right? Because it was the best wine. They're like, we've never had wine this good before. It's right. Well, you've never had the master winemaker make it, right? Right? 
But Jesus hung out with them. He didn't condemn them. He didn't send them cancer because they were drinking wine. We can find Jesus in the, in the midst of people having a drink somewhere. That doesn't mean you have to drink with them. But you can go to a bar and you can find Jesus in a bar. That's what I'm trying to say. You can find Jesus wherever you want to recognize him. Jesus shows up. Why? Because Jesus likes people. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So why wouldn't he hang out where people hang out? We should be able to recognize him when he's hanging out with fishermen. Right? We should be able to find him when he's hanging out with women, women's groups, women Bible study or women's quilting guild or whatever it happens to be. You ever notice how many women were around Jesus? All the time. They were making him peach cobblers. <laughs> blackberry pie. I mean, man, they were throwing down. Every t- they were always cooking, right? Yeah. Were, were they not? They were always cooking. We should be able to find him in children's programs that are taking place. Right? Let the little children come unto me. For if such is the kingdom of God. Yeah. We should be able to find him in youth group meetings also. Right? God loves teenagers, even though parents don't right? <laughs> at times. God still loves teenagers. Right? One of the best verses in the Bible about that is this too shall pass. Right? <laughs> and it will. You were all teenagers at some point if you're an adult now. Expect to find them. Expect to find them. And you will. And you'll start recognizing Jesus more and more. So there you have it. Hone your skills. Hone your ability to recognize Jesus. Host his presence. Be a, be a Mary in a Martha world. You know, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. And she was willing to host his presence. Martha thought hosting was fixing something. When really hosting in that moment was just sitting still in the presence of Christ. Hosting him. Obey what he's already told you. Nourish the spirit man. Quit watching junk on TV. Quit reading junk books. Right? Read the word of God. Nourish your spirit man. And expect to find them. So we're going to take the Lord's Supper in just a second. And I want to challenge you to say in your heart, God, I expect to find you in the, in the elements of the Lord's Supper today. I expect to find you. I expect to recognize you in a whole new way this morning as we take the Lord's uh, Supper. Say that to him in your spirit. Right? Let's pray. Father, we just want to pray collectively as a church that we would recognize you in the Lord's Supper, that we would recognize you uh, in this moment. Open our eyes. Let our hearts burn within us. Revive us. Awaken us. Stir us in an entirely new way as we take the bread and the juice. Come, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hone our ability to recognize you in this moment. May it be a sweet, sweet moment in your presence right now. Come Holy Spirit, have your way with us. Have your way with us, Holy Spirit. For it's in the name of Jesus that we pray.